0: Freaking out! Of. This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock heward is my hero. Jay Putner just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio on Seattle Sports. We're we going you a not really work that way, Sherman. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of done. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock heward and Mike Salk. hello Hello everybody, it is Brock and Salk here on Seattle Sports on 710 seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports application plus all those podcast platforms. I suppose on a formal Friday, I should probably start opening with good morning, greetings and salutations just to really make it give that formal feel that we've been going for. What do you think? (laughs) I, I like the idea. I think you should also maybe introduce some tuxedo shorts. To Formal you, Friday. You know, it's a it's a good it's a good question and a good point you make, Justin. Yeah. Um to, you, you guys know, never we, dress up for Formal Friday. I know. Well I'm playing golf today. Justin, I think you're playing golf today yeah. separately. Yeah. Uh so you know, I'm dressed up, but just to play golf later. It's not every day I wear you know white shirt. I mean that's uh <laughs> you know it's only certain days of the week that are that are reserved for that kind of a thing. <laughs>
1: Should we call you Michael on Formal Friday? You're Great welcome question.
0: to. Uh the Graz does. Uh so if you want to call me Michael, there's uh, you know three people in the world who do my parents and the graz uh if you okay. want to call me Mikey there's like four or five people in the world that call me Mikey and nobody I hated hate it when I one? was a kid I don't hate it now because you know I'm a mature adult but when I was a kid oh my god did i hate Mikey Woo, that like got under my skin i did not like that okay. at all you may be surprised to hear this you might be, i don't know i don't know you might be shocked when i was a kid it wasn't that hard to get under my skin. A little anger problem. Now, that might come as a huge surprise (laughs) to you, but it was not that challenging for people to, like kind of irk me get under my skin get a little outsized reaction out of me and yeah just calling me michael over or mikey over and over again would probably be enough to do that so I was okay. kind of a hair trigger i guess yeah. i would say when i was a kid I've, I've grown a little bit since then not so much physically as brock will tell you but uh, but mentally and emotionally <laughs> i've tried to grow since i was uh, since i was a kid i did find myself yesterday a little jealous Found myself a little jealous yesterday. You, I don't like to be jealous, not a jealous person, but well, maybe I am, but I try not to be. Is this something more and I would have picked up on? No, it was after I left you guys yesterday. I drove uh after I left you guys yesterday. I drove to Port orchard to uh trophy lake Golf Golf and Casting Club. Yes, right. You can do a little casting while you're down there and um nice long drive down to the peninsula. Beautiful chorus, one of my favorites actually. Played in a great tournament with Hazelwood Auto Group and met some interesting people. I had a really good time yesterday. But as I was driving down, I had ample opportunity to listen to the station, something I don't get every day, right? My drive home is like six minutes long, 10 minutes long. So I don't get a lot of station time. I'll usually listen to a little Bump and Stacy as I'm on my way home. But I got to listen to like, you know, 45 minutes of Bump and Stacy yesterday. A little jealous of them sitting out of training camp. Like, I, it hadn't really struck me the first couple times because there was some relief of, like, oh, I'm not freezing cold, and I don't have to wake up 20 minutes earlier than I normally do. Like, there was some relief kind of built into, hey, guys, we're not going to training camp because it's just not at the right time for us. But As I'm driving down yesterday, it's like, man, that sounds fun. Stacy just had, like, a little extra energy in her voice. Like, she was like, you know, their show always has good pace and good energy and all of that. But she was going like a little extra fast yesterday. Like, she just kind of had that, yeah, like, okay, on. we're doing this and we're here for that. And we got this guy and we're doing the. And I was like, damn, I kind of wish we were trading cam. Like, you just kind of get that little extra buzz. All right, I, have, I mean, I have, I have an idea. What's that? Do you think? No. Bumping Stacy. Yeah. Might be willing to trade shows with us for a day. Oh. Well, you know that's interesting because you know this is sort of prime time. I know, right? For radio, it might not feel like it for the twelve people that are on the road right now, <laughs> but this is supposedly like radio prime time, yeah, right? I get like it. I know all I know. the legends in this business have done Morning Drive for the most part, right? Yep. Howard Stern and Don Imus and you know all those guys who 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 kind of paved the way for radio. I mean, those are all morning radio hosts, but. Well that's a great question. I don't know we can certainly ask Justin. You can ask Bump and Stacy and see what they say. See if they would be uh, interested in trading shows just for like, you know, a couple of days
1: yeah, just, during
0: training camp. And and just only for your desire. I'm sure that would go over. Just cuz I want to yeah, be there. Folks just wants to sit out at the training camp. I got for a day. better you idea feel about it. No, I think that's a good idea. It's not I'm not, not going to call it a bad one. So jumping off point. It's a good jumping off point, but we're all about brainstorming on this show, right? We'd like to build on an idea, make it better. Here's, here's what I would suggest rather than asking Bump and Stacy if they would switch shows with us, just for like, you know, a couple days, ask Wyman and Bob. <laughs> Right, that's a really good chance that happens. <laughs> you should definitely ask Wyman and Bob, who haven't seen the this side of ten a.m. in like two years, whether or not they would like yeah, to switch um, with us.
1: I used to work with them. That's just, I mean, that's just no go. That's a non starter. That's adorable. They're right. not getting up that early, either of them. <sighs> but um, I would want to switch with them the most, just because I keep missing Rye the new Seahawks oh. dog, and I think he usually comes out and runs around during their show.
0: He's sort of an afternoon dog. Yeah. Mm. Well, That's yeah. his
1: time to take the field. You See? think he sleeps
0: early in the morning and, and it's really not till the afternoon Rye kind of, you know, gets out there. and. Do pros hmm. and cons list. I, I just say it. it's just worth asking. Alright, sounds- well, I, I like it. I think it's a, a good strategy. Yeah, closed here. mouths don't get fed. Uh sounded like a pretty good day though, once again a practice. I mean, the thing that obviously everyone was talking about afterwards was that Jackson Smith and Jigba catch. If you saw it on social media, well, if you missed it on social media, you're not on social media because it was essentially everywhere yesterday. What a catch. And and it's yeah. here's the thing about it, and we we'll, we can talk about it later when Brock's in, et cetera, but it's not just about the it's not just about the um you know, the one handed grab. Because we see those, right? I was thinking about, you know, uh Garrett Wilson had a big catch the other day at Jets Camp. Everybody was all excited and it was sort of with contact missing that. And it was a great play. It was on Sauce Gardner. The thing that stood out for me about that Jackson Smith and Jigba catch is it is so smooth. Like it is effortless. Some some you know unbelievable catches happen with great effort. Right guy, you could see him like coil his body like a spring and jump, and all. he doesn't do any of that. He just sort of like casually glides by the cornerback, and when the ball is thrown just out of his reach, he just sort of subtly adjusts, reach out, reaches out farther, and just hauls it in with one hand, as if that's the way the play was designed to be. He's like water, dude. It's unbelievable. He's like water. Is that what you said? Yeah, those who are just really smooth. That's a really oh. great description. He just fits in places others don't. He's just. That's water. He's smooth, man. He is very, very smooth. And that was, uh, I don't know, kind of the first real sign of it that we've seen. He's got a knack for getting open. He's got an ability to adjust to the football. And he is just naturally very, very smooth out on the football field. So I I thought that was a really cool moment. It, you know, stands out because right now, he's their only first round pick that is actually out there practicing because we've now been through two camps, two days of camp and now we're on to day 3 and still no sign despite Pete Carroll saying he didn't think it would be very long we still don't see Witherspoon so you know I'm not going to talk about this every day and make it into a you know big story every day but I would certainly hope that by Monday at that point you're what 5 days in well, you know you would certainly hope at that point like all right dude that's, this is fine for a couple of days. You've made your point. Maybe they'll throw you an extra couple bucks earlier or whatever, but y- you got to you gotta show up for camp. Yeah. Like At some point, you got to be there, especially over an issue that is as small as this one appears to be. Anyway, uh, Big John and Ballard with a terrible suggestion, non-starter, really, says, Mikey, <laughs> all right. You know, Big John, that's not right. I don't call you, you know, small Johnny or something like that. <laughs> Just switch spring training for the Mariners and Pump and Stacey for Seahawks training camp. There's a great trade. All right, no. Ooh. We're not doing that. That's a non-starter. There's nothing you can do to make me. Scott doesn't go-
1: get to play golf at training camp. Right.
0: True. I get to play golf on you know after training <laughs> camp days because it's beautiful here in the summer. But let's uh let's not get carried away. We are absolutely not. Making that switch. (laughs) All right. Uh, We got trade deadline just around the corner. We're going to talk about Paul Seawald today. And I do want to respond to both the other shows who've kind of referred to that as waving the white flag. And I want to discuss whether or not that is real. I'm not sure it necessarily is, although it certainly could be. So we'll uh, dig into that a little bit later today. We've got Kobe Bryant on the show today, which is great. G Scott will be here today. Brock's in. we got a lot going on. It's Brock and Salt Seattle sports on 710 need to know
2: 15 minutes past every
0: hour with brock and Salk. here's what you need to know up first last year maybe it felt a little bit uncomfortable at least for everyone other than him this year it is geno smith's team and no one is doubting it at all he's a starting quarterback he's got the offense looking pretty good and he is certainly in charge as the number one guy
1: i mean there are advantages you know uh having more reps um being able to rep more with uh, with the starters and with the guys. Um, but mentality-wise, nothing changes. You know, nothing changes, and, and things can, can change quickly in the NFL. So I'm not really worried about uh, that type of stuff. And I just look forward to every single day to practice with my teammates. Uh, I'm surrounded by a bunch of great guys and it's super fun just to be out there with them. And so that's, that's what I look forward to.
0: Yeah. The offense has certainly been on a mission. You've also seen him working with both centers. Day one is more noted was Evan Brown yesterday. Olu Oluwatimi was the guy who worked in most as the number one center with Gino. So he's kind of getting some comfort, uh, comfort with both guys. He's also, Added some weaponry, right? Specifically, Jackson Smith and Jigba made the catch of the day yesterday—one handed grab for a touchdown. He's just not really like anyone else we've had here. I know Brock was trying to maybe compare him to Doug, and I just—I don't see that. I just see smooth in a way that we have not seen. Regardless of how he looks, Gino likes him a lot.
1: He can do it all, man. He can do it all. He's a great player, and um, he can do it all. Jackson is like, you know, one of those guys who. You know, if you put him in, out there one-on-one, he's going to he's gonna win his battles, and, and we've been seeing that so far. But we've got, like I said, multiple guys who can do that. Those guys are out there competing, and um, DK's been doing his thing. Tyler's doing his thing. Um, you know, Derrick has been stepping up. Like, all these guys are making plays, and, uh, you know, Jackson is, like I said, just a part of that group. He's embraced that, and um, they've embraced him. and. I mean, they're all growing together, man. It's special.
0: I would think they would embrace him. He just makes everybody around him better because the guys just seems to be always open. I love that water description, Justin. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day. He's like water. He's just that smooth. Meanwhile, Bobby Wagner comes in at number 62 on the NFL Network's top 100 list. Numbers uh, 70 through 61 were released yesterday. Number 29 last year, he falls to number 62. CBS says that he's their MVP. Is this going to be their highest player on this list? Probably, right? They're not going to have anybody ahead of Bobby. Is there anybody we're missing that you think is still going to be on this list? That you Because no, we, we all thought the guy was going to be the highest was DK. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, it does Dre Jones? I
1: still think Tyler Lockett could pop up. Wait, oh, did we already? No, yeah, it yesterday it was. Really-
0: we haven't gotten Lockett. We haven't gotten Dre Jones. I mean, like those are the only guys I could think of that might find their way onto this list. And uh, I don't know, it may end up being Bobby Wagner at the highest one at number 62. It is interesting, the idea of Bobby being their MVP and maybe being their highest rated player. Have we not given it enough attention, as strange as it is? I mean, we've sort of talked about Bobby as, all right, he's back. He's going to solidify things. There's leadership. It just seems better. But have we talked enough about him still being a top end kind of a player and maybe the best player on this team? I don't know that I've thought about it that much, so uh, maybe that's something we'll address here in the coming weeks during camp. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, four weeks, excuse me, four games in four days. That's what's left here for the Mariners before the... Deadline And, yeah, these four are going to be basically playoff-style games because the results are just going to have an outsized effect on what the team does at the deadline. We asked Jerry Depoto specifically about the importance of these four.
3: Uh, They'll play some, and they always do. Your team's performance should define what you do. And, you know, part of it is what happens. We typically focus on ourselves, and, and we try to maintain that throughout. But you get into this time of the year, especially around the deadline, And a lot of it does matter, you know, where you stand among other teams in the league and what the likelihood is of of being able to to jump that, that train, so to speak.
0: Okay, well, they've got three in Arizona. That starts tonight with Logan Gilbert. He'll be followed by Wu and then Castillo. But what will they do by the deadline? Of course, it does matter how they perform here in the next few games and where they find themselves in the standings. Jerry says they are looking for longer-term solutions.
3: I don't know uh, if many teams are really open to trading players beyond those that are short-term right now. We haven't really seen that move yet. But, you know, it it does establish a baseline. There are other players of that quality that are going to get moved in the next week or so. And, you know, we are... At least presently, we have spent almost all of our time focusing on players that we feel make more sense for us moving forward. Now, And based on market prices, you know, that could change for us in the next six days or so. Again, depending on what the the return. Certainly
0: is a complicated situation. Not a lot of action around the league yesterday, so the Mariners don't move at all in the standings. But the Angels certainly responded well to their decision to buy and buy big. They win both games of a doubleheader against Detroit. Shoei Otani is ridiculous. He throws uh, in the first game a one-hit complete game shutout. In the second game, he hit two home runs. What what are we even doing it's a casual here? day? How is anybody in the world built like this? He is just dominating the game of baseball in a way that we have never seen before. Here's the third thing you need to, to know. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about the statement from George Klevercof yesterday in the Pac-12 other than that it made me sad to read. I feel bad for the guy. This is not his fault. He didn't create this mess. There doesn't really seem to be a way out of it for him, except that if you read it, it reads like he doesn't know, like he didn't know what was happening, right? Remember first he had to play dumb about Colorado leaving like a week or so ago, and then it sort of like appeared as if he was blindsided by the whole thing. Now he's saying that this is a world class, you know, a, a conference of world class world. I can't even say the statement. It's so is ridiculous. World class athletic institutions who will sign a great media deal and then expand. Come on, man. I mean, how do you say that with a straight? I guess you don't. You have to write it because there's no way anybody would actually come out and and put words to that in person. Any expansion that they do have would almost certainly involve taking schools that are of significantly less value than what they lost. And it's not like Colorado was some big prize. But when you replace it with San Diego State, you're going to replace it with a team that's never been in a power conference. I don't know what the guy's supposed to say, but that is not good. Paul Feinbaum here on ESPN the other day was uh, pretty rough on the Pac-12. This
1: could be, uh, this could be seismic, and you know, I, I don't want to trash the, the Pac-12 any more than we already have, but you might as well just uh, you know, give them last rights if they lose Colorado, because right now Colorado has Dion, uh, one of the, one of the most important names in college sports, and uh, if, if, if they end up leaving, what is what is what, what, what are they going to do out there?
0: Well, they did end up leaving yesterday, but it's fine because the Pac-12 is very committed to expanding. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's everything you need to know uh, quarter past every hour. That's a disaster. Arizona could leave next. They're already kind of in conversations with the Big 12 and other places. I mean, like, okay, you're going to go back to being the Pac-8, but with Utah... And Arizona State, I mean, like, that is weird, right? And that's just not – without the L.A. schools, and it's not like Colorado ever really fit in this in this group, but without the L.A. schools and then just sort of the rats-off-a-sinking-ship issue, like, no media deal, no real juice in the conference. Larry Scott was a disaster. He really was, and, and he made a lot of bad decisions. But number one – well, numbers one and two for me in some order – are the fact that he absolutely played to the presidents rather than the public. And two, he bet that the public cared more about these teams than they really did. If you're going to run the Pac-12, you've got to have an understanding of who the fans are in the Pac-12. Good fans, but not SEC fans. Mm -hmm. When a game's not on in the SEC, if Alabama or Auburn wasn't on TV, there'd be a riot. When a Pac 12 team is not on TV for a lot of people, they do something else. <laughs> exactly. It's just like it's a good fan base, but it's not like that. It's not ferocious like that. It just, and he'd bet that they would be. And that's a bad bet. And now we're starting to see all of the effects of it. All right. Jerry DePoto, all kinds of comments as we are just four days up to the deadline. Uh, what direction do the Mariners go? What are they looking at? You're going to hear a lot of answers from Jerry next. The Jerry DiPoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, I know we've joked about this team not winning on Wednesdays. Do you know the last time this team won a Wednesday game was in May? Sadly, I do not. It
3: was May. Oh, my. I was going to say, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> but, it's, yeah, it's it's been a while. And I, I will say that it's just been generally a good week. I think we've played very well for the most part
0: yeah what what's been different i mean you know you watch this team they're they're what a blown save and a sacrifice fly away from having one maybe seven straight what's been different
3: yeah i I mean i could say too that we've had some comebacks in there that weren't probable so you know don't ruin it for me either hey Hey, come on now don't ruin it for me either i got a narrative here (laughs) We have, uh, you know, it's a, you get a little bit of energy. You know, we we had some energy with full houses versus the Blue Jays at home. I think it was a, an energizing series. And, and as much as as it hurt losing Jared Kelnick for a period of time, I think we got a little bit of a jolt, especially in Minnesota from Kate Marlowe. You know, uh, it's, it's there are so many small things that contribute to 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 that. that just a little spark that starts a good week and. You know, I, lo and behold, you know, we look up and it hasn't been a good week. It's, it's been a good month. You know, July has been a really good month for us. We're actually trending maybe the best July in, in the last, you know, decade for us, which is something and it's been happening pretty quietly.
2: I think Ryan Divish, if I remember right, had said something along these lines early in the season, Salk, maybe even before the year, Jerry, about Scott's service. And one of his greatest attributes is he is a machine. He just does not waver. He just, through the ups and the downs and everything else, he is just such a steady force. And I'm curious from your perspective, just through the ups and downs and the emotions and the peaks and valleys of this season, how critical is it to have your skipper be so flatlined?
3: Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him flatline. <laughs> He's just good at managing it. You know, there's we we all have you know ups and downs and moments, but Scott does a great job of focusing on what needs to be done, and whether that's you know executing pitching change, managing the the staff, or you know trying to to establish uh, a. A, a feel in the dugout in the clubhouse he does have his finger on that pulse pretty good and i think he does a remarkable job he, scott's not stoic when the door closes but he does so if a, he had a heart rate job it's, so, so if
2: he had a heart rate monitor on during the game he, his his heart rate would actually be a little bit like ours as fans
3: yeah his heart rate isn't running like his face you know <laughs> scott has a great he has a great way of not letting you see anything that affects him. And, and I think that's, I could say that about some of the great closers of our time. I think I look back to, you know, the managers who were great at what they do over time. And you'd never know if they were winning or losing the game. <laughs> they just focus on what needs to be done.
0: How would you be if you had to sit in the dugout and after every missed bunt, to every bad, every, everything, mm-hmm. the camera immediately flashed to your face.
3: It would not look like Scott.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I believe it. But it seems like he's pushed some of the right buttons. We heard him talking about Julio and some swing changes. I like the way he sort of has referenced Julio now a couple of times in his plan late in games and and being willing to listen. It seems as if that's just been like a, a year long process for him trying to manage and get the most out of the most talented player on that team.
3: And I imagine that it'll be like that throughout Julio's career. And, you know, and, and hopefully the next Julio's to the extent that we have guys that talented. <laughs> it's when you have players that talented that are capable of so much, you know, more is required to draw it out of them. And his, his ceiling, his impact is so high. And, you know, here, especially in the, the last week or so, we've seen him you know step up and he particularly in the last few games in Minnesota, and I think you saw a little bit of a change in his, in his, the, the way his body is, is situated in the batter's box and the, you know, the, the way he stays in his legs through his swing. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's just something in a moment or if it's an adjustment he's making, to be honest with you. But, uh, but he lifted the ball. He, he's always hit the ball hard. He was just, his trajectory was off. You know, he was hitting it hard on the ground, usually to the pull side. And and I thought the the greatest sign was him blazing line drives to right center, hitting opposite field homers. That's, you know, that's a very good thing. And, you know, hopefully we're getting ready to get into the the hot version for Julio.
2: Jerry, I think one of the things that I've learned over the course of the years and in talking to you and, and certainly all the time you give us on this show every week is you can't general manage like a fan you can't manage like a fan you can't make moves emotionally like a fan and just look at one game or one week and just make moves irrationally through that emotion yet the trade deadline does come in four or five days or so what next tuesday six days uh what kind of role do these next three games and the first game of the boston series play in some of the decision making that does have to come
3: uh, they'll play some and they always do, but your team's performance should define what you do. And, you know, part of it is what happens. We typically focus on ourselves and, and we try to maintain that throughout. But you get into this time of the year, especially around the deadline, and a lot of it does matter, you know, where you stand among other teams in the league and what the likelihood is of, of being able to, to jump that, that train, so to speak. I've said this before, our pitching is good enough that if we can get on the dance floor for the postseason, we can do some damage. and, you know, and we're aware of that. We, will, we want to put ourselves in a position to, to do that over the course of the season's final two months. You now that said, we're always focused on how do we do how do we do the responsible thing in making sure we're constantly building our core. And you know if we have a chance to do that through the course of these next six days, we'll do it. If we have a chance to, to make ourselves meaningfully better uh, without putting ourselves in a precarious position moving forward, we'll do it. We'll try to be responsible in, in how we address our roster's needs with what's available on the market.
0: So what are your conversations with other teams like right now?
3: Back and forth. You know, I mean, we've we've not gotten to the, to the stage in the exercise where it's gotten you know, where I would call it in the red zone on any deals. We've expressed interest in players we think fit for us and do make us better. In 23 or moving forward, uh, we have received incoming calls about players on our roster. And, and I would say it's been pretty broad this year. It's there are, there are not a large number of defined sellers in this market. There are a lot of teams that are trying to thread a needle or flat out buying. And there are very few teams that are selling or that are populating the market with the types of players that, that contending teams look for at this time of year. So, how do you
0: define? I mean one thing we talk about a little bit of the idea of a rental. How do you define a rental?
3: Uh, rental. It's I actually hate the term, but you know, a rental is a player on a on a pending free agent contract. So this player is effectively unless you can work something out over the season's final two months which is highly unlikely with a pending free agent they are leaving you know, when when free agency opens up in the offseason so it's it's a player who's going to be with your organization barring you know magic extension two months from free agency they're going to be with you for two months
1: and
0: and do you have interest in rentals or are you explicitly and only looking at Can we come up with a
3: new name okay. I, know. I think that's part of
0: the problem is it degrading is that the the problem is sort of degrading to the players, like he's a house or something.
3: Yeah, that's a, and and this is you know it's a personal thing for me. I I do think. It's it's a a pretty common reference. I don't want to get you know up in arms about it, but you know they're they're pending free agents. They're short term players. They're here. They're they're only here for a short period of time, and and we're not opposed to bringing in you know a, a short term roster fit. It depends on what you have to give up to get it. We're not willing to purge future Mariners teams, you know, and what that could be for our future, unless we feel like that is a player who puts us over the top. And and I think for it to be a player who puts you over the top, you have to be close to the top. Uh, to, in order to make moves like that, if that makes any sense,
2: it does, Jerry. How big of a deal is the collective market? Uh, my old, late, great real estate boss used to say to me, "Brock, I understand the market is what the market's willing to pay." Well, we saw the first. I know you made a transaction yesterday on, on a reliever and, and an arm, but we saw the first kind of big move. Right, the Angels go in, they make a trade with the White Sox for a starting pitcher and another, you know, relieving arm. Does that? Does that move? And the value of that move, does that start to create a market or is it just, hey, singularly, it's team by team and there really isn't a collective market?
3: You know, I, first I will say that the, your reference to your real estate boss was about as Jerry Maguire as it gets. That was awesome. Uh, but, as, it, as it relates to the to the market, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess that there's a baseline for for what is now expected of of the next player, and you know, both players that that went to the Angels in yesterday's trade are they, they are pending free agents, so it, they embody what we just talked about. I don't know uh, if many teams are really open to trading players beyond those that are short term right now. I mean, we haven't really seen that move yet, but you know, it, it does establish a baseline. There are other players of that quality that are going to get moved in the next week or so, and you know, we are at, at least presently we have spent almost all of our time focusing on players that we feel make more sense for us moving forward. You know, and based on market prices, you know that could change for us in the next six days or so. Again, depending on what the the return. And you know, we're not opposed to acquiring any type of player if they if they fit, provided it makes sense for the present and future of our organization.
0: We did see that you made a move yesterday, uh, bring in a guy who I assume is kind of a spot starter who has options. We so kind of go up and down, but maybe more interestingly is the corresponding move with Marco Gonzalez going to the sixty does that mean he's done for the year or is it just more of the retroactive situation for the roster spot?
3: It's the latter. You know, actually in doing the simple math today is Marco's 60th day out. So he's already uh, achieved 60 day IL status. So, he could in theory be activated tomorrow. So it's, it's nothing more than, than a, a simple admin move. He's already been out for 60 days. So, you know, that's a, that was a simple roster adjustment that we could make to add a pitcher with pretty good stuff who's had a fair bit of major league experience and give us depth, you know, headed into the final two months where we've talked about. You know, young pitchers, we have taken on a couple of dings and we've, you know, we have run a lot of guys out there with, with very limited major league experience. And, and Trent Thornton is not long in the tooth. He's 29 with a couple of three years of major league service, but having guys that are experienced as we get into the season's final two months is important. You know, Jerry,
2: we talked to you uh, after last season in, as you headed into the winter meetings and and where free agency went and, and how quiet the trade market was. You, you talked about right now, it is these impending free agents that tend to be the, the conversations and not a lot of the others quite yet. And I'm just wondering, this third wild card, it's awesome, right? These wild cards, it's open it up. It's more competitive. 21 of 30 teams in the league as we sit here today are within six and a half games of the wild card. But I wonder the impact that wild card has on this trade deadline, on that acquisition phase of the trading game? And can it still be as active as it once was?
3: Oh, I think it's going to be incredibly active. And and usually it is active in the final 72 hours. And it's a, I, I would say that it's it's not too dissimilar from what we see in the first 72 hours of free agency, you know, roughly the, the public clamor is, why is it so quiet? Why aren't they doing anything? And then here comes the fire hose. And, and there's an update on, you know, MLB network or ESPN every six minutes. But th- this is, it's going to be active. I, I think it's going to, it won't be defined until, you know, Sunday or Monday for so many teams because of what you said, that third wild card keeps so many teams engaged and and we're one of them, frankly, it's, you know, it, it gives you something to shoot at and, you know, there are absolute buyers. And then there are teams that are, as i used the phrase before, trying to thread a needle, you're trying to find a way, you know, to, to situate yourself to best contend in twenty twenty three while not robbing from future years because you understand the odds are a little bit long. And you know, that captures about you know twenty teams in our league. and, and you know and then there's going to be another couple on the fringes or you know rebuilding teams that are primarily young. And uh, that that leaves very few teams that have the types of of players available in the in the market. To really make a dent, but you know, somehow multiple of those teams that are on the fringes will decide to go the other way by Sunday or Monday, and and they will get
0: active. It, it's got to be I don't know whether frustrating is the right word or what, but but trying to make a decision which you know in your head shouldn't be made based on two, three, four games of baseball, but in some ways will almost have to be because that's what the situation and the and the record and the standings will end up dictating.
1: Yeah,
3: and, and I I'll go back to, to trying to do the responsible thing. You know, if left to our own devices, it, we're all competitors, you know, whether <laughs> whether it's in the front office it's on the field you see opportunity you know every one of the players in our clubhouse we want them to get excited by what happens at the deadline and and feel motivated and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't but you know you've got to do the smart thing and you know virtually there's 30 teams and i would say most of them are going to make some type of transactions That are going to affect their major league club in in the next six days and and that's kind of a an exhilarating time you can do things to 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 make impact from uh from an organizational standpoint but you can't do stupid things if you intend to sustain and and that's what we've really built this on is the desire to sustain and we're going to try to avoid stupid things
2: okay so you mentioned jerry Maguire, so then i'll just follow up i'm just kind of curious do you have to have irresponsible guy or gal in the building is there just that irresponsible voice that bounces into your guys' offices and into the meeting rooms and, and just starts to spew totally, as you just said, stupid
3: irresponsible stuff, just to
2: put it out there
3: on the table? Oh yeah. And and you want that. You want, you know, you, you want a variety of opinions. What's possible? What could we do? And you're going to have the, the the risk averse. You're going to have the risk takers. You're going to it's and and some people are going to toggle back and forth based on the, the type of player that you're that you're looking to acquire. But no, this is this is an interesting time because it's it's when you find out it. My face, and I would say this of Justin, you know, there's our faces don't necessarily look like Scott's in the dugout, but we're trying to remain, you know, we're trying to remain balanced in the way we're making our decisions and and do the right thing more broadly for the club.
2: What did our texter say about Scott's face? That's funny. That kind of he called product. it
0: resting pissed face. I don't I don't know whether that's fair or not, but he said if you just always look mad, then you know when you are mad, no one will know the difference.
3: Yeah, a, there's. I will say, you know, on occasion, I have been in a situation in my lifetime where Scott's come out to the mound to visit me, and, I, and my first reaction is, "Why are you mad at me?" <laughs> you know, I'm trying, but uh, it's he is he he is balanced, and we're trying to do that same type thing with our, our trade deadline, and, and we we have needs we would like to address for 23. You know, we are equally as focused on putting players in place who we feel like help answer questions for us moving forward. And it's a our, our our general plan has never changed. And you know, the, the thing that changes day-to-day is how much clearer it becomes on who's available, do they fit us, are they actually acquirable based on what we have. And I think those are that's what makes it fun, and that's why it changes day-to-day, because there might be three more teams that enter the fray on either side of the, the ledger tomorrow or later today.
0: Yeah, I would think it must be an interesting spot. You're almost a time like you want your team to show you one way or another, you know, win four straight, lose four straight, do something to make this just not that you want them to lose four straight, but make this decision a little bit more obvious. And I would think there are teams around the league you're watching saying, man, I really hope the whomever loses four straight so that so and so becomes available and they just, you know, make him available because they can't they can't realistically compete
3: anymore. Oh, I believe me when I tell you I would love that if we could <laughs> if we could will teams to lose four in a row. The, the I also would say that we have an uncanny knack as an organization for picking up the phone and and expressing interest in player X, whether that is a prospect, young major leaguer, or, you know, the pending free agent, and that player is almost destined to go on a seventy two hour heater where the the, the the, either the availability becomes questionable or the price just went through the roof <laughs> and, and uh you know it's it, we're good at it we've been doing it for years we actually you know for for a few years we we referenced ourselves as the hall of fame makers like we make a call this guy's definitely going to go on a hot streak
2: hey last thing for me here jerry how are your young arms doing i, I think back last year to to george and and I think it was about August. It was maybe the only little stub of the toe and then kind of found himself into September and just kind of curious in the calendar year. And for the Woos and the Millers as we're pushing in here now into the games in the hundreds, um, you know, how are their arms holding up from maybe the way you all look at it that is at times different from us?
3: I think remarkably well, you know, we're, we're still conscious of having to manage the innings. We plan on doing that. I I do think there's going to be, you know, a time for us and it might be mid August where we make whatever adjustments we're going to make. We do feel like we have, you know, in-house solutions to make that happen. Whereas if we we may go to a six man rotation, we may try, you know, a, a traditional long reliever to piggyback with a young starter but the, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Wu, his last start against Toronto was fabulous. You know, it was an unfortunate four pitch walk to whip Merrifield uh, that, cost him you know, later on in the inning. But I thought the start itself was fabulous yesterday. And what I would consider, you know, more of a Coors field type environment in Minnesota with a hundred degrees and a jumpy ball, uh, because when it's, when it's hot and humid like that, the ball jumps and, I thought Bryce Miller was awesome, filled it up, gave us every chance, took us deep into a game, and it was the, the best you know the best he's held his velocity through a game in quite some time, you know he looked very comfortable and, and that's all we're looking for is, is how, how much stress do they show as they're working through these innings, and, and right now, they don't really appear to be showing us that stretch and, or stress, so we'll continue to manage it by, by using our eyes.
0: You didn't go to Taylor Swift this week, did you?
3: I did not, but I was fascinated with the, the the pour out and the number of people who flew into Seattle to see it. And you know, I've gotten some feedback from the Swifties at the office who are, you know, they were pretty excited about about being at the show. Okay, and I've gotten some lowdown on what life as a Swiftie is like. Yeah, and, and that was uh it was interesting. anybody make you a beaded bracelet or anything like that? Nobody did, but I, you know, I, I actually heard, and this is you know, it's going to date me and, you know, and, and I guess in some way reference my stodginess, but you know, one of my coworkers said, ah, it's the greatest night of entertainment I've ever seen. I, and, and I, I said, yeah, 1985, it was August at the Meadowlands, Bruce Springsteen playing in Jersey and six hour show laying on the stage, telling us stories. that's I get it, but, man, that that was – I don't know if it could get any better than that. (laughs) Well, you
0: have to reference Bruce Springsteen if you're going to work in baseball. I think that's like a – it's an actual requirement for the job that you have. That and being able to pull all-nighters here over the course of the next few days leading into what should be a fascinating trade deadline. Jerry, Brock said that he doesn't know how you and Justin don't uh, drink earlier at the end of every night. We're just waiting to see what you end up coming up with. So uh, thanks for doing it. When we talk to you next week, the trade deadline will be in the rearview mirror. All right, guys. Yeah, four uh, four games to go. There's Jerry Depoto who uh, joins us every Thursday at 8.30. And when we talk to him next week, we'll be uh, asking about whatever deals he did or didn't make on Tuesday. All right. Uh, speaking of that, Ken Rosenthal has a report out about the Mariners and what they are looking and could potentially do and some of the value that they are bringing to this year's trade deadline. I will uh, react to that. Plus, I keep hearing that the... Potential trade for one player would signify something drastic. And while it could be true, I don't think it necessarily is. So, both those things coming up next. Brock and Salk, Salesports on 710, salesports.com.